Filmmaker Commentary, episode 184. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we cover movies with commentaries from directors who take the time to record them on Blu-ray and DVDs. We also give our detailed insights, so look out for spoilers. We discuss the latest in showbiz news, along with movies and TV shows that we've been watching. So join Reginald Titus Jr. That's me. And Casey G. Smith. That's me. Every week here on Filmmaker Commentary. Welcome to another episode of Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with Casey G. Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. And today we're talking about Who Frame Roger Rabbit, directed by Robert Zemeckis. Uh, this dropped June 22nd, 1988. It's rated PG. How was the budget and the box office for this film? So Who Frame Roger Rabbit came in at a whopping $70 million for its time. And grossed worldwide a total of $329 million. Released on June 22nd of 1988. Holy smokes. They went over budget then. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they did. Because they, they were kind of burning the midnight oil down to the wire to, to get this oh thing done. Oh my God. They, they, they weren't sure they'd be able to, to get all the animation finished in time, actually. Dang. But, uh, yeah, that's a win, nonetheless. Uh, that's a win. Seventy million, still flipping it to three hundred. Yeah, that's. A they, good. they said at the time it was considered like one of the most expensive films made. Really, I could see that. Cause 70, that's a, 70 that's million? a lot now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was an expensive one. Dang, um, because on the documentary was it the documentary? Um, no, no, um, the. Where did I read this? So look at it. I think it was the special features who made Roger Rabbit. I think the budget was $50 million to get it greenlit, but they were not budging on it, and so they had to bring down the budget to get it greenlit to $30 million. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they went right back up. Uh, just to kind of get the thing. It's $30 million, It's $30 million, Yeah, It's $30 million. Well, when you see how much they how much they used in the film to, yeah. to get it done, we'll, we'll talk about this a little later on. It... I can see where that where that ballooned up, and this and this film had to be made at this time. Like it, between the voice talent and the the style and the process of animation, like it had to be made when it was made. I kind of I kind of liken this to a Motown twenty five, mm -hmm. with the the amount of talent both both the animators and the actual voice actors. Why you still there have some it. classic? Yeah, there are some classics there who would soon not be around anymore, like the great Mel Blanks. Uh, who would be Man. gone? So this was this was like prime to do this at the time they did it. Almost like Eddie Murphy's Hollow Nights. Mm. Um, what? Um, th th this won some awards. What awards did this this film win? So Who Framed Roger Rabbit was nominated for a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Academy Awards, and won three of them. Okay, it won for. Actually, no, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the, the wrong awards. Let me let me do that again. Who Framed Roger Rabbit was nominated for, you know, eight, still eight Academy Awards and won four of them. It won for Best Visual, Best Effects and Visual Effects. Mm -hmm. It won for Best Effects and Sound Effect Editing. Mm -hmm. It won for Best Film Editing and won a, a Special Achievement Award for Animation Director and Creation of the Cartoon Characters. Oh, wow. It also was nominated for Best Sound, Best Art Direction, Set Direction, and Best Cinematography. 
Wow. I don't know why they couldn't give Zemeckis some love and nominate him for Best Director because yeah. this is a whole lot to pull together. True. They said it's like three kinds of films. It's, 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 it's live action, it's animation, and it's special effects. He didn't even get the nod? No, sir. Dang. Makes you want to look at 1988 again and see, like, okay, what was going on in 1988? But oh, I bet. I mean, <laughs> when did Do the Right Thing come out? Oh, I should know this. Uh, I don't know. Nonetheless, but yeah, it it it, it was um, that's a success, right? It was critically acclaimed, and it made money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I was going to look at. it. I was like, what? That was what was going on? 1988. Richard Ward. Um, yeah, internet's going slow. My phone. Um, nonetheless, well, well done. Oh, I'm on the I'm on the website, and this guy like I don't winner actor in a leading role. Oh, Wall Street, Michael Douglas. Oh, sorry about that, <laughs> <laughs> Roger. Sorry, Roger. Sorry, yeah, Roger. Was actor in a supporting role, Sean Connery, The Untouchables. Uh. There, there was some count. Competition was was fierce out in these streets. So, Roger James Brown ain't mad at you. You right. done well for yourself. Just to get to get what you got. Uh, directing winner, The Last Emperor, by Bernardo Bertolucci. Oh, Nominee- best actress for Moonstruck. There were some nominees: Fatal Attraction, Hope and Glory, Moonstruck, and My Life as a Dog. Have you seen Fatal Attraction before? I thought we did. Didn't we? We didn't cover no, it. No, we have not covered. That was Fatal what Attraction. was that Michael Douglas one that we watched. Uh, Wall Street? No. The one where the guy's in, de- in bed and gets the... Oh, Basic was, Instinct. Basic Instinct. That's, see, that's why I confuse it. Oh, no. Fatal Attraction is... With Glenn Close, it's much creepier. Really? Uh, from my understanding, yeah. It's, yeah, it's much creepier. There, yeah. Who that, might, that might be worth uh, circling back around to. Because I've, I've, wow. I've never watched the whole thing. I've never... Uh, I've, yeah. I've only, I've only seen clips. It's, just in, it's like in the zeitgeist. But I've never actually watched Fatal really? Attraction. Douglas was doing his thing in the eighties. Michael Douglas. So, oh, so Doug. Oh, oh, okay. So that is another Michael. See, that's the thing. It's like he, like it seems like he plays himself in every in every movie. He's, he's got the hair a, slicked back. He's the ladies' man. He's, he's, got, he's got that Pat Riley look going on. <laughs> yeah, or maybe Pat Riley copied him. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Michael Douglas was killing it in the eighties. Man, he was. Yeah, he, he had he had the look. And then clearly the talent as well. He yeah. also was producing also. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. Fatal Attraction. A married man's one night stand comes back to haunt him when that lover begins to stalk him and his family. Yeah. Ooh. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. But yeah, 1988 was uh, was kind of stacked. There was, some, there was some stuff happening. But all that included one who framed Roger Rabbit. Gotta love it. All right, man. Uh, but before we talk further about who framed Roger, Brack, Roger Rabbit, let's talk about TV news and movies watched. So we got two bits of items in the news for you all. Uh, first off, according to the Hollywood, the L.A. Times, actually, we're pulling the story from. Uh, Reginald Shedd's one with me. One Danny Masterson sentenced to 30 years to life for raping former Scientologists. After a pair of trials focused on the Church of Scientology's alleged attempts to shield one of its celebrity members for prosecution, actor Danny Masterson once 
was sentenced to 30 years to life in prison on Thursday morning after having been convicted of raping two former members of the church. Dang, two? Two. Masterson, 47, was convicted of two counts of rape in May, and a jury deadlocked on the third woman's accusations. The assault took place in the early 2000s, but Masterson's victims said they waited years to come forward because Scientology doctrine forbade them to report a fellow member to police. Oh, that's rough. Yeah, that's rough. I, I forgot about all those those rules from Scientology. There's an actress who was recently on the Joe Rogan podcast who had talked about like when she was in it, how she was treated, and then when she got out, like how those people basically don't speak to her at all like, as if she didn't ever exist. Was it the same actress who was on uh, Qu- Qu- Queens and Kings? Yeah. Yeah, she had a whole docu like a docu series that she did. Really? Um, yeah, like it was it was a couple of years back. It's like she was really blowing up mm. Scientology and, and exposing uh, a lot of their practices. There's also a, a documentary I saw on H- I think it was on HBO where they really dove into uh, Scientology, how it was founded. Very fast, and she actually uh, let Leah. Oh man, is it Leah something? I forgot her name. Yeah, but um, but yeah, she really blew the whistle. On them, but yeah, it's very fascinating to see how it's formed yeah. its shape and its its uh, I think beliefs. The, I think the founder of that religion is like, you want to get rich, start a religion. Mm. There's a, a docu series on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm thinking about it. But it's like how to be how to become a cult leader. Oh, okay, yeah, and that's uh, yeah, literally on there. Uh, now, the other bit of news, uh, according to the uh, Hollywood's. Uh, Deadline says the nun two conjures 85 million plus global uh, bow uh, uh, as Shah Rukh Khan's Jawin thrills at home and abroad. Oppenheimer closes in on 900 million and Barbie tops 1.4 billion worldwide at the international box office. Refresh for the latest. There's a lot to unpack this weekend at the international box office, including a flying start of Warner Brothers new lines. The nun two. Indian superstar Shah Rukh Khan continuing to outdo himself and a major milestone afoot for Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Meanwhile, Barbie has danced once again to 1.4 billion worldwide. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, the box, the box office for the summer seems to continue to be humming along and doing doing well. Theaters are seemingly back in, in full effect right. and, uh, and, and doing well. Yeah. Have there been any flops for the summer? The Flash, Flash, the Flash. Did the uh, how did what about uh, what's our boy Indiana Jones? How did that perform? I wonder. Because huh. I was hearing rumblings of it. And I think I don't know if we had talked about it or oh, this was online. This was online. Uh, There's a marketer when when Twitter had switched over to the X. Um, no, no, no. It wasn't that. It was Instagram threads. When Instagram released threads, and there was a thread, and uh, one of these markets were talking about Indiana Jones, and I was like, "What? What did it say?" So the budget for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, two hundred ninety-four million. How much did it? Worldwide gross, three hundred eighty-two. Oh, how much was the budget? Two ninety-four made three eighty-two. Ugh! Yeah. Yuck! Yeah. So they lost money basically. Yeah, once you account Split for marketing, because that, 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 that one's already beginning to hit. It's going to be hitting streaming real soon. My theory on that one, I was like, you know, it sounds bad, but like my theory is nobody wants to see like old people like do stuff. They think about you juxtapose that with Barbie. You know what I mean? It's like okay, my, my, my only counter to that. <laughs> yeah. 
Top Gun. No, like he was. It still believable, but he like he, he doesn't. He he's doesn't, not he eighty. Doesn't, he doesn't. He he's doesn't not, look old. You're right. Yeah, like Tom Cruise. Try he. They acknowledge he's older, mm-hmm. and like the things you got to fight being older, but you're still an active person. Versus like you're just you're you're real old, and this is unbelievable. Like I don't, we don't believe you, kind of thing. But also, and it depends on oh man. People vote with their dollars. Like that's my theory. Like that's, my theory is nobody true. wanted to see this uh, older person do that. And as harsh as it sounds, I believe it's true. They want to see young, hot actresses, and they want to see um, somewhat fit guys do things, and, and preferably really fit guys. And then if you're at it, take your shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to really see. That, that's just my theory. You know, it's just that. I think. I think by and large, you are you are correct. Um, I, I think. I think it's the the. the I think the, the genre matters, and I think in this particular genre where indie is, again, is, is an action, action franchise, and even though he's a he's a professor in these films, I'll, I'll be asked the marketing for the film never never caught my attention. I didn't see anything in the marketing that made me say, "Oh, I want to I want to see this film," because I'll, I'll make an exception to go and see it for an older person if if the film looks good. But this didn't look. There was nothing about the marketing that made me say. I need to go see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. First off, how old is Harrison Ford? He's in his 80s. So what movie do you remember that you went specifically for and this person that was leading was in their 80s? Hmm. Uh, that's a specific question. It is. Uh, you, I, we'll go 70s and 80s. We'll give a range. Well, I had to, well, I went to see a film and I knew that the actor was... Uh, how old is Denzel? He's not there. He's still killing people in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Equalizer's doing great this past week. I weekend. know Equalizer did very well, but Denzel's, Denzel's, not a, three. Denzel's in his 60s. Yeah. So you still got a little juice in the tank. <laughs> and so. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it would have to almost be like a. I don't know how old Pacino is, but Pacino is kind of one of those guys. But, it, but it, I don't know. It's been a long time since there was he was leading a film where, you know, he was doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not possible, but yeah, it would have to be. I don't know. It's got the film has to look like really good, really attractive. And again, the Dial Destiny did not look like that. It looked like it was okay. They were trying to make it work, but and again, I wasn't a huge Indiana Jones fan. I have gone back recently and watched some of the older ones for nostalgia's sake, but there was nothing about this film that made me say I need to see. Here's one. Here's one. uh, Proof of concept: The Irishman. They had to do a lot. It was a lot of older guys in there. They had mm-hmm. to do a lot of CGI, and I heard it was and body doubles, right? You know, and so like people catch on to that stuff, and then some people saying that oh, I didn't really like the way that it looked, or but also I'll be honest, I did. I, I I like a lot of films by by our guy, but he was talking Which trash. Which one? Here's uh, No, the director of The Irishman. Oh, Martin Scorsese? Yeah, I like a lot of Scorsese stuff. We've reviewed a lot of Scorsese stuff, but he was talking trash about Marvel like leading up to it. So I was like, you know what? Just for that, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to support your film. Yeah, this is like, a- yeah, like, come on. Come on, Scorsese. The, the, anyway, it was, uh, it, it, I was like, eh, I, I didn't appreciate that. So, but, but also, yeah, I didn't mm-hmm. seem like, but it was, I, it was, that was like a Netflix. Ex- yeah, it went, it went to Netflix. And it, it, I, think it it had had a, a limit, I think it made a limited theatrical release so it can qualify for certain things. But yeah, and it was on Netflix. But overall, it wasn't so hyped up to where you were like, okay, um, you know, I'm not, I don't, you know, I think, I feel you on a political standpoint. 
you know, politics with the studio. But, um, you know, I heard that he, you know, was talking certain crap, you know, about stuff. But I was like, yeah. You but know. sometimes that's used in reverse psychology. Like, okay, <laughs> yeah. if, I, if I can generate press just to get my name out there. Absolutely. So people become more aware that I'm doing something over here. I think I think different directors do that at times. Take shots at Absolutely. either superhero movies, Marvel, or whatever, specifically to say, "Oh, just get the name out there." You know, mm-hmm. maybe that's a that's a P. I think it's a PR thing. Absolutely, all. it worked. All, you know, any press they say, you know, is well, yeah, like you got attention no now. This movie better be good. Exactly. Congratulations. <laughs> yes, sir. But but even in uh, that with the Irishman, that was one. I was like, uh, I'll pass. You know, just yeah. from looking at the trailer, just looking at the trailer, I'm like, yeah, and I heard it was like super long, like. Nah, maybe on a day where I don't know, maybe we're studying it or something. Uh, but <laughs> I didn't go out my way. That, that's another example of you know some older guys. It's a hard sell. It's it, it's yeah, it can be tough. There's a lot of there's a lot of noise out there, and it has to again it has to, it has to, it has to look like, look like an amazing movie. Again, I yeah, and it probably is. The thing is, it probably is. I just probably don't. I'm just not interested. Yeah, that's for me. I'm just not interested. Um, not in this time of my life, but maybe next year I would be. But current- not at this time in my life. <laughs> Why did you see the movie? It just wasn't the right time. In my life. Yeah, I just wasn't interested. That's that's, that's 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 real talk, though. That's real talk. How do we get on Harrison Ford? Uh, just my theory is that nobody wants to watch old people, and box office numbers reflect that um, in the movies I just mentioned. And <laughs> oh yeah, because we were talking about the box office for um, uh, Barbie. What about Oppenheimer? I mean, that's a so I with a so Oppenheimer. Um, it's doing good. It's done very well. Again, yeah. it's uh, approaching nine hundred million. Yeah, and again for that kind of film, a period piece based on the creation of the atomic bomb, that's mm-hmm. interesting. But you know, with Nolan, Nolan, he has it's kind of like Quentin Tarantino in a way, where certain people are going to watch a Nolan film no matter what. Uh, but so does Scorsese as well. I don't. I don't know. I don't think people went out to do, just to go see Irishmen. But I'm saying because Scorsese yeah. has a he he has a, he has a following. He it's, does. It's I don't know how Scorsese. did how did Irishman do at the box office? Uh, I thought it did terribly. Well, again, it was it's going to be it's not it's not going to look good because it was a limited release. But let's see what the Irishman did. Oh man, I know it was expensive too with all that mm-hmm. CGI. So and and most of um, I don't know. It feels like when. And I'm fans of both both directors. No, that can't be right. <laughs> you said it can't be right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yo, that's that's terrible. Okay, 159 million budget. Uh huh. 968,000 worldwide. I believe it. I believe, especially it was limited. Maybe it was just a weekend or something. Maybe it was only like 10 theaters. Um, I believe it, dude. Just because it just seemed boring, you know. Yikes. Um, uh, but again, like with uh, Scorsese, I take extra consideration if he's directed something, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to go out of my way to see it just because it's Martin Scorsese. Mm. Now, if it's Tarantino and Christopher Nolan, I'm going out of my way to see it, even if I don't I don't know what the heck it is that I'm watching. Perfect example is Tenet. Like I saw, I was like. Okay, but Tenant Tenant looked interesting. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm going to watch it. I didn't see the one he did before Tenant, the uh, the World War Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Uh-huh. I didn't, even though Dunkirk garnered much praise and awards, and yeah. maybe eventually I'll watch it. But there's something about it in the trailers. I was like, and I, I'm cool with watching World War One, World yeah. War Two stuff. But something about that, I was like, I, 
I have no interest in this. <laughs> and, uh, with that one, I didn't go. I didn't go on my way to watch that one. Most of his stuff, yeah, I'll make sure I watch it. I still want to see Oppenheimer. I don't know if I'll see. It. I probably won't see it in theaters, but I, I do want to see Oppenheimer. I'm, I'm always fascinated by the atomic bomb and its creation. And, it's, and he yeah. spends so much time and meticulous. He's like one of those auteurs that's spending a lot of time with his projects. That you're like, you know what? I I think it it'll be appreciated more in a the theater. Um, Fair enough. Uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, all those other films, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm going because of Tarantino, the director, Jordan Peele, same thing, you know, I'm going regardless. Um, Anyhow, but I think, uh, <laughs> I think the subject matter, uh, outside of those directors, subject matter is kind of probably going to trump uh <laughs> the director <laughs> fair enough i mean that's that's the shit that, but they say in general that shift has happened uh over time where sometimes it's not so much the 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 actor the the, the name of the actor um mm-hmm. it's kind of uh, or sometimes not always the name of the director like it's, it's it's kind of changed the audiences have kind of changed like what what's going to bring them to the movie like sometimes right. name alone isn't isn't no, isn't enough it's so not. yeah um not every time. With Equalizer and, and Denzel, you know what you're getting in that director. Is it Antoine Fuqua did that one? Pretty, I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, you know what you're getting. You know what I mean? Hopefully it's got a, a, a fresh approach to it. You know what you're getting. You're going to be satisfied coming out of there. Mm. What have you been watching, Seth? Oh, the only thing that I watched, that I remember that I watched was on Saturday um, was the T, no, the Nebraska and Colorado uh, game Colorado Buffs featuring the Sanders kids and father and they won again that was a great great thing to watch I was watching that while editing it's, ah. that was that one's a little weird I couldn't like sit there and like just truly enjoy it I kind of had that playing while I was editing because I had a timeline for a TV show so I, I missed the game but I watched the highlights actually this morning I mm-hmm. pulled up on YouTube and watched the highlights of the of the game and uh, yeah they kind of had a slow start yeah, then, yeah, dude. When they got rolling, it was looking like it uh, was. I was like, "What's going on, guy?" But I, I kind of like to see the overcoming of the of the adversity, you know, to see, yeah. you know, to see them tested a little bit. But they, yeah, they pulled it out, dude. It would have been what was it like thirty something to fourteen? Like it was very the last play, and you know they scored kind of like the last. It was like kind of you know you kind of got off the gas and just let them score or whatever. But yeah, I was like, I wanted to dominate. I just, of course. you know, you let stuff go. You wanted to be like, you look at score like, dang, dang, that's definitive. You, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But even then, it was still like twenty something <laughs> point spread. Um, the the cool thing about seeing them, uh, Dion, um, kind of take over. Like college has that's been more popular than the NFL stuff. Like what's been going on over the last few weeks. Yeah. Again, we both. Had both said that we normally don't watch college at ball at all, yeah. And I didn't, you know, realize there's all these different divisions of football. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, uh, that's why I don't watch. I'm like, this is confusing. Like, yeah. yeah, but I, I, I genuinely want to follow this team. Yeah, like I don't, I don't really care about other teams. No offense, but absolutely same. But yeah, I'm interested in following this 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 narrative, right? Right? It's it's a narrative. It is the, the funniest thing that's going is like 
a lot of coaches talked a lot of crap. They got that are in his that are in his division. They were just like, what what has he won? You know, mm-hmm. like because they're unaware. You know, they haven't really been studying the HBCU stuff, seeing like how dominant they were in the two years they were there, and they were unaware of his coaching prior to that. That he's been doing this for like twenty something years. So he just came out of nowhere. Yeah. decided to coach a team. Oh, you're just a celebrity. <laughs> and so like people have said like all kinds of stuff about the portal and stuff like that. So it's funny to and it's documented like it's online and people are like starting to do mashups of like how they talked before and then like now on the day of game day the, the guys are like yeah man he's he's all, he's always been a competitor he's always been a winner Every, like all the bullet points everybody so that he that so they can look good in front of the media so the, the journalists can kind of spin see he was a good sport you know what what blows me away is the power of his brand yeah. because i remember during the first game they showed a commercial for Colorado University and and everything was prime. <laughs> yes. You're gonna get prime education. That was great at a prime facility oh. with prime instructors. But most of all, a prime football program. <laughs> I was like, "What the? It heck? was well done too. It looked good." Yo, I was. I'm like, man, this dude's brand is so strong. They call and it the it, Prime Effect. And again, even the commentators. And there was there was one commentator. He 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 he, used, he calls him Coach Sanders like once or twice, but by and large. Coach Prime, Coach Prime. Yeah, like, that is, that is incredible. That is incredible branding. But um, I saw that commercial. I was like, wow. Just seeing how. But you know, shout out to Colorado because they've had, um, they've had at least two or three other uh, black coaches before, and so mm. it's not a new thing for them. Once you go black, that's good. That's good. So, so they're open. Is what I'm saying. All right. <laughs> Anyhow. That's all I've been watching football and then sons football and I've just been in football world. So all right, so I got a couple of things I've been watching. One is a a slightly older thing. I actually went back yesterday and I watched the Amazing Spider Man two. Toby, Andrew. Oh, my w- bad. Which I watched in the theaters um, when it came out. I, I really liked the first Amazing Spider Man with Andrew Garfield. I've, I've got that. Is this the one with Jamie Foxx in it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. It is interesting because right now we've got this again. As, you know, it's, it's so interesting that a, a movie that comes out later on can contextually change how you feel about another movie. And the Spider-Man, the no, the last Spider-Man, No Way movie, Home, No Way Back. Yeah, I think it's No Way Home. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> Find another route. Spider-Man, No Way, Spider-Man, No Way Home. Wow, which is such a freaking awesome film, right? <laughs> Gives us. Spoiler alert! I don't know. Yeah, all three Spider Men in one film. And I've watched it's, them all, so I appreciate it. Oh, dude, that moment! I was in the theater with my with my family watching that, and yeah. oh man, when I saw uh, anyway. So, but seeing that, <laughs> and then see kind of like the redemption of even Jamie Foxx's Electro. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite lines in the film is like, "How'd you get your powers?" And he's like, "Oh, I fell into a a, a super collider." Uh-huh. So I just I fell into this. I just probably man, I, I fell into a vat of electric eels. Damn. You gotta be careful where you fall. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> it's a simple line, but that, that guy had me dying. I was like, okay. But so going back and watching Amazing Spider-Man Two, it it is a very well done film. It it landed at a, at a, a very unique time when the expectations for superhero movies was was just ratcheting up. Yeah, and it didn't. It did well, but it didn't do like Sony expected. They were, I think, they were expecting like a billion dollars, and it did maybe, I don't know, maybe seven eight hundred million or something like that. Anywhere between six eight hundred million, I want to say, is where it landed, and so it was considered not a success. And that's that's when they they cut the franchise off, and mm-hmm. eventually did a rebooting. But man, going back and watching, I'm like, this is freaking solid, man. The the chemistry 
hands down is the best chemistry. Again, Zendaya and um, a guy Tom Holland. All right, that that's cute, but she's kind of made to be kind of quirky and a little standoffish, and then it's kind of and then you know uh, Toby and our, our girl uh, who played Mary Jane, uh, okay. Christian uh, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, with the uh, eyes. Yeah, like that. Okay, that's all right. I always think of the shot when he shoots up into the rain, and she's like, ah, after the, like <laughs> the, the upside down kiss. <laughs> yes. Yo, okay, yeah, no shade there. Yeah. But Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield, their chemistry is killer. I think they were actually even dating. We were actually in love. Those sex scenes, real. <laughs> <laughs> but their their chemistry is fantastic okay. in the film. Okay, and. Yeah, and you know Dane DeHaan as as Harry, and even again now I can look back at Jamie's performance and it's like, all right, it it doesn't seem as I don't know, doesn't seem as extreme now, mm-hmm. and that maybe it's one of the things that once you actually see the film, your your expectations are managed. But I can I can uh-uh. I enjoyed it uh, a lot more. There's some things that are still kind of silly, you know, the the guy um, Paul Giamatti as, as Rhino, okay, that's whatever. But they were clearly trying to build up to a Sinister Six spinoff eventually huh okay but amazing spider-man 2 even something like the effects some like yo andrew garfield is spider-man andrew garfield's a good actor he is it's it's solid you haven't seen it in a while it's on it's on streaming on on disney plus like the, disney's doing their thing with sony where they've got now like all the spider-man movies yeah which we, is like sometimes you just need a whole place for all your movies y'all just did it would be thing. great if all movies could live in one location and you can just choose to buy rent or stream it mm. just saying just an idea for the future ai I hear you, Reginald. Thank you. Yep. But yeah, Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man 2 is on Disney Plus. Worth a revisit. Because I hadn't watched it since I saw it in theaters, but yeah, it was... Oh, okay. It's, okay. It's, it's, it's a nice revisit. Solid. Oh, uh, another thing I watched on Disney Plus, the new Little Mermaid. Oh, okay. Yeah. Watch, watch the whole thing. My daughter still doesn't want to watch it. I turned to... Like, I flipped on the banner for it. The little uh-huh. banner. I said, don't you want to watch your girl? She was like, no. <laughs> I thought it was... Again, I like musicals. Yeah. So my daughter was out. I remember you standing <laughs> in the theater. She's like, "Why are they singing?" <laughs> I was all right. I was all right with it. Uh, it was. It was. It was enjoyable. Again, a nice, you know, homage to the original. Yeah. Takes takes out of similar tropes. I wasn't sure how you know how I would feel about the Sebastian, the crab, and the CGI. Yeah. It was all right. Okay. You, even the addition of Under the Sea was all right. Again, not again. It's not as good as the first one. But they yeah. did their thing. There was one little song that was kind of new that they sang. It's a song called Scuttlebutt that kind of had the crab and had Aquafina. Mm-hmm. That was kind of fun. That was something new that they added in. Uh, had a little Lin Manuel Miranda flavor going on with that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but no, actually, I I thought it was all right. I was okay. It was, actually, it was better than I expected. I was like, huh, all right. It did its thing. We have a little mermaid. This is plus. But my <laughs> favorite thing that I watched this week was on Netflix. Oh, Scott Serious, what did you watch? Extraction 2. Uh, Our man Chris Hemsworth. Oh, yeah. I meant to watch that one, the first one. Solid. Yeah? Yeah. The first the, one was good, right? Yeah. First one was, dude, it, from an action movie. And this is where I think, man, this should be seen in theaters. This thing should be in theaters. Netflix has a couple of action films that should be in <laughs> theaters. Like it's, yes, like it's like that. This Extraction 2. Yeah. They have some uh, incredible stunts in this thing that just from car chases just to like gunfights, like they're doing some. I'm like, I've never seen that before. Yeah, Hemsworth. Yeah, it's funny listening to the what you just said about Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid, it's good. 
Extraction. Solid. Should be seen in theater. Yeah. <laughs> I can feel the difference. I give it. Yes, there, 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 is, there is a difference. Extraction 2. Yeah. Again, Little Mermaid had me jumping like, oh, whoa, that was amazing. Look at these lights. But also, Little Mermaid, again, I knew what to expect. I wasn't expecting a, a big difference in the story. I was like, ah, okay, I know where this is going. <laughs> I know where this is going. This is going to end in marriage. Yeah. And her ultimately getting her away. She's kind of, at the end of the day, kind of was, this is a spoiled teenager. Yeah. You know, who rebels against her father mm. and leaves home. It's a runaway. This is a, this is a story about a runaway. Dang. Yeah. She's a runaway. <laughs> You know, and uh, ends up coming back home, makes makes some bad decisions. Yeah, and you know, daddy fixes it because she's technically a rich girl. So this is kind of a spoiled brat. Yeah, at the end of the day, we're breaking it down. Yeah, spoiled brat with flippers. Mm. You know, gets involved in some black magic, (laughs) runs away, heartbreak, swims away. Yeah, swims away, but eventually runs away. (laughs) Gets them legs. (laughs) But uh, but uh, yeah, ultimately, daddy fixes everything, and gives gives his blessing to his rebellious child, and uh, she sails off with the prince happily ever after. But extraction two, solid. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) solid. Good action. It's good old fashioned blood and guts. But no, the action is 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 really really good. I was I was very impressed with the action and, and some of the cinematography shots as well. Younger guy, I'm assuming, probably in shape. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he is, I'm assuming, probably in shape. This is Chris Hemsworth. He, aside from playing, for people that fat, don't know who that is. From, if you don't know who Chris Hemsworth is, where have you been? <laughs> I only can listen to podcasts. They don't have movies well, where up. I live. You listen up. You listen up good. <laughs> they don't have movies where I live. We've covered multiple episodes of, of multiple movies of the MCU. Chris Hemsworth played Thor. This is my first episode. Well, welcome to Filmmaker Commentary. Please know that there will be spoilers. <laughs> You've been forewarned. Good day, sir. Good day. Extraction two, solid. Check yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. It does not it does not disappoint. I I, I kind of held off because I was like, nah, I was gonna be as good as the first one. Yeah, no, it. Yeah, yes. One of the one of the uh, most enjoyable action films I've seen this year. Okay, I can dig it. Man, it should be in theaters. I mean, they made an exception for the Irish man. Put in Extraction. Yeah, maybe they're just trying to get awards or something for the other one. Anything else you've been watching? No, sir. Today's show is sponsored by Natural Hair the Movie by Grind of the Matter Films, available to stream on demand on Tubi, on Roku, and on YouTube. Please check it out and leave a review. Now let's jump back into the show. Thank you for tuning in to Filmmaker Commentary. We're talking about Who Frame Roger Rabbit, directed by Robert Zemeckis. Let's jump into the synopsis. It's 1947 Hollywood and Eddie Valiant, a down-on-his-luck detective, is hired to find the proof that Marvin Acme, gag factory mogul and owner of Toontown, is playing hanky-panky with femme fatale Jessica Rabbit, wife of maroon cartoon superstar Roger Rabbit. When Acme is found murdered, all fingers point to Roger who begs the tune-hated Valiant to find the real evil doer. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Rated PG. And if this is your first time listening to Filmmaker Commentary, once again, there will be spoilers. spoilers. You've been 
forewarned. Who was in our cast? Roger Rabbit. So this film features a multitude of, well, a couple of live action actors and a litany of famed voice actors. So we have one Bob Hoskins playing lead role of Eddie Valiant. We have the uh, often uh, connected with one uh, Robert Zemeckis, Christopher Lloyd playing Judge Doom. We have Joanna Cassidy playing the very appropriate Dolores, who is the bar owner. We have the energetic Charles Fleischer, who voices both Roger Rabbit, Benny the Cab, Greasy, and Psycho, who I believe were two of the weasels. Uh-huh. We have, get to some more kind of significant ones. We have, from a voice acting standpoint, we have the the late great Mel Blanks voicing both Bugs Bunny, Tweety Bird, Sylvester the Cat. Um, this is somebody else that he voices well, but I mean Mel Blanks is just just genius voice actor wise. Uh, we also have. Oh yeah, also of course Daffy Duck. That's who else I was missing. I was like, oh, who <laughs> am I missing on here? Uh, suffering Thuckatash. Uh, we had the, the late great June Foray mm-hmm. who played uh, the, the crazy woman who says, Oh man, and, and chases after <laughs> oh, Eddie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she used to voice uh, Smurfette back in the day and also Jokey Smurf, but she's, she's, she's done a lot of care. She's also the voice of Rocky, Rocky and Bullwinkle. How about that? Yes, sir. Um, I, want, I want to get the guy who voiced Mickey Mouse. Uh, anyway, there's, there's a, there's a uh, there we go, Wayne Alwyn. There's been a lot of people who have voiced Mickey Mouse over the years, but Wayne Alwyn voiced him in this film. He did he did Mickey in the 80s. Uh, Frank Sinatra has a real quick cameo with his voice. Uh, Jack Angel, who may not be that that well-known, but he is he's done a lot of VO, especially in the 80s. Same with Coy Burton, who's voiced Spider-Man in, in multiple things. Nancy Cartwright is in here. I didn't realize that. She's the voice of Bart Simpson. Um. Yeah, just a, a litany of, of vocal talent in this movie. Sounds good. How did you watch this film in the past and this time around? How did you watch it? First time I watched this was, I didn't see it in theaters, but I watched it. Maybe we rented it or I watched it maybe on HBO mm-hmm. or maybe at a friend's house. I don't I don't remember where I was when I first watched it, to be frank. But I know I know I enjoyed it. Um. <laughs> Oh, it was. I know. I was at home when I watched it. Cause I, cause I always the the scene that stood out to me was, was just kind of my mind being blown a little bit seeing Bugs and Mickey in the same frame. I'm like, what is going on? These two together? I, I didn't know much possible, about. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know much about Disney. I mean, I knew of Disney, but I, I didn't see Disney a whole lot. But Bugs was everywhere, right? Warner mm-hmm. Brothers was like was super accessible stuff. You would see Merry Melodies and all kind of stuff, and Looney Tunes all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, Bugs Bugs is like active, where Mickey is like, you know, occasionally shows up and stuff. So seeing those two together, I was like, wait, what? And Mickey's like just super nice. Well, Bugs Bugs is a bit of a bastard. Bugs will <laughs> Bugs will try to blow you up. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, that's when I first saw it. And then I, then I, I rewatched this about maybe 10 years ago during my Netflix run when I was renting various DVDs and Blu-rays from Netflix. And I remember rewatched it then. How about yourself, sir? I watched it on VHS. 
I think that's the cover that was in our house, the VHS cover. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Roger Rabbit kissing the detective. On the cheek. On the cheek, and you see the little heart, the little heart symbols coming out, I think, or butterflies. I think those are hearts. Look, stars. Uh, <laughs> see? Uh, but... Um, all that that was at home. It was a, a copy that we owned. Like we just had a library of VHSs, yes, sir, a little container, and this is one that we would always go to. Probably for a year, we were watching this over and over again. It's kind of crazy because it's been a long time since I've ever watched this film. Mm. I think since being a child, and then as soon as I put it in, I knew the lines to certain things. I was like, "What? How do I know? I still know you, the lines." You, you bro. programmed yourself. Bro, it's like a song, basically. Yeah, you know? man. Like, oh, I know this. I've been here. It's like I live in this place. Like it was very nostalgic. I was like, oh wow. And I think that's so cool when that happens. Even when it's been a minute, and like you just know, and it's like just boom. It, it comes when it comes back to you. That, that memory comes back. It's specifically when, and this time around, I just watched it on Disney. Shout out to Disney for having it there. Huh, how about that? Um, and then, <laughs> we own it. <laughs> Right, it's like oh, touchdowns Disney. Okay. Yeah, I didn't realize it once I saw. It, I was like, oh, okay. Because I was I was trying to figure out like, okay, who owns this thing in order to have both these different brands, the Warner Brothers and the Disney. Okay, okay, who owns this and how do they get the deal to be cut to get yeah. their other to have their characters featured in it? That's that's just and we'll talk about that. Yes, trivia and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so it was Disney. So I watched it on. Disney and then on YouTube they had the actual commentary but the commentary was getting real good and I was like you know what I probably have to watch this because they're actually reacting to the things that's happening on screen where usually with Robert Zemeckis he's just they're just doing their own thing and the movie doesn't even matter mm. yeah the, the commentary in this one is is solid and it's and it's again I don't always like when there's a lot of people doing commentary but on this one we have quite a few people there's about five to six people who helped make the film from special effects directors to Robert himself. And they are going in and they are, they're following the film along They're they're They are enjoying it. Like they, they loved what they've created in Roger Rabbit. And so it's, it's actually a really good time. Uh, we have Robert Zemeckis, Frank Marshall, Jeffrey Price, Peter Seaman, Steve Starkey, and Ken Ralston. Okay. All on the commentary, and they 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 crush it. Like these guys do a fantastic job. It's one of the better group commentaries that I've heard. Um, yeah. What did what did you like this this time around? What did you like or not like about the film? What I liked about Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the voice talent. Um, number one. I mean, first off, shout out to Charlie Fleischer. He does an incredible job in creating this brand new character in Roger Rabbit, who is memorable like you you know <laughs> yeah in in in, in a, in a animated character there has to be something in the voice right that makes him stand out mm -hmm. that's going to make him different from a say a bugs bunny yeah and flasher found that with you know doing that that gotta thing. have some kind of speech impediment exactly and <laughs> but it's it sticks and you know he's super over the top and and, and roger can be a bit much but the the screenplay is is pretty brilliant the the humor in this it's as now as an older adult let's tell him like oh wow this is this is a very smart film and yeah. the way they're using double entendres and mm -hmm. it's like wow i mean there's this of course the slapstick stuff for the kids but as an adult there's a lot of underlining things and some things that are overt that yeah. it's like wow this is this is a smart smart film and, and so, i watched it Oh, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I appreciated that and just how, how it was played again with, with Fleischer as 
as Roger from the being over the top, but then he gets when he finds out that you know that he thinks his wife's been cheating on him. Yeah, and he and he's and he's he's super sad, and he comes down, and he's by himself, and they they, they pull you in, you kind of you begin to feel for for he's Roger crying. Yeah, <laughs> it's like man, he's taking you on this emotional swing, but the voice talent is is solid, it's great, and our main actor. Um, when you see behind the scenes and you see how much pantomiming he had to do and reacting to nobody being there, that's it's it's pretty incredible. Now, again, I guess this happens quite a bit now with green screen now, but yeah, it's just I don't know, it's just it just it seems like like an extra level of just kind of special uh, mm-hmm. because he has to interact with Roger like like he's grabbing him, but there's really like not nothing there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so shout out to Bob Hoskins for his performance mm-hmm. and the, the way the actors are, are able to match everything up. It's British, um, those British actors, man, are trained. Yeah, <laughs> there was <laughs> there was somebody said in the comments area. They're like, okay, Bob, look, you're going to have to react to nothing. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I've 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 acted enough times. That's that's not anything new. There are some actors I've worked with. It's, it's that's that's that's. But I do anyway. Like, oh man! <laughs> but that's there's some reality. That's some some realness to that because Shots you fired. do have actors that give you nothing, and you're trying to bounce off of them. Exactly. It, it was it was hilarious. Like they yeah. they were cracking up at. But yeah, I enjoyed those elements of this. Um, only dislike is one of those old tropes of seeing Negroes portrayed as crows. Oh, the band that plays behind Jessica Rabbit. When she's singing her song, oh, you that's know all, what? It's all I told, crows. It's I all totally crows. I'm like, mm. good catch, and that's terrible. But it kind of goes with the Warner Brothers and everything they got going on. A little bit of Disney juice. They had Dumbo, Song of the South. <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> Disney. <laughs> yeah. The last time they had done a live action, <laughs> keep that one in the vault. Yeah, uh, yeah, Dumbo. There, I seen oh, a butterfly. Mm. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> How about you? What do you like or dislike about the film? Yeah, I, and I watched this with the kids. I watched the whole family watched it, so I was like, okay. And you can see where, you know, kids would like certain things. Kids love the slapstick stuff, you know, or and then or the and that's like the younger kids. They'll laugh at how Roger Rabbit would talk. So when he would say please, uh, my wife actually laughed at that because that was her first like, she was like first time just, she heard yeah, it. Yeah, so he was like, oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> and then or when the um, the little kid the one that was talking. Um, What's the name of that kid? The little baby that can talk with a husky baby, voice. Baby Herman. Baby Herman. Yeah, I'm 50 years old with a three-year-old dinky. <laughs> and my old son laughs at it. The other kids didn't catch it, but my old son laughed. Older uh-huh. son got it. So I was like, okay, there's something for everybody here. Yep, yep. There you go. Hitting those different uh, those different demographics. All at once. Um, I like the cameos. Like, you know, like Dumbo and uh, mentioned Joel Silver, who was a producer and He's not an actor. He's a producer. Exactly. And he's just doing his job like he would normally be <laughs> doing. He was just being himself. <laughs> right. Just doing he was, it. said he wasn't acting. He was just working. <laughs> he was working. That's Shoot. funny. So that I like that feeling and then seeing the behind the scenes of Hollywood, you know, seeing how that works. I'm like, ah, this is this cool. Speaking of cameos, I caught this during my rewatch of the, with the commentary. When Eddie first arrives in Toontown, like, and it kind of pans out, I think it's after he's crashed his car, it kind of pans out, and you see all his characters. In the lower right-hand corner, Snow White mm-hmm. is there with the evil queen, and she's kind of, she's and she's helping the queen along, like, into some little, 
like mm-hmm. storefront. I was really? like, yeah, it's Snow White down there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just happened to catch that. But I'm sure there's a lot. I'm sure you could freeze frame and you could catch you a just lot start of seeing stuff going. Yeah, on. but I, like I caught Snow White in there. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was that's a lot of drawing. Um, also, the thing I like is just like to pull what they pulled off. You had to be in the like a top filmmaker. You have to be like on top of your craft technically to ever to to do this so i just i appreciate the skill your skills had to be on point that you didn't necessarily have to be a master but mm-hmm. technically you had to be on on your game you couldn't just come into this like other like hollywood films where you can kind of just coast you had to be patient because yeah. with animation a couple of seconds you're talking months just for a couple of seconds of animation yeah, well, I, I mean, from like from a directing standpoint, more from because you know, then you you do have to wait for the product, <laughs> but um, that live action stuff, you know, you're just shooting days of that stuff, mm-hmm. and being um, knowing how to set up your shots, knowing you know you're gonna how are you gonna put this animation in, and like finding out those techniques, it's, it's like that that you had to be on top of your game to figure that stuff out. Honestly, the Megas he he bucked the trend when he was they were telling him there's all these different rules in animation and live action and things you can't do. Mm-hmm. And he just shot the film like like a, like he would any other film, and he and it pushed the animators to break past those barriers that they had been taught. Mm-hmm. Like they said, you're not supposed to move the camera. They they broke all those rules. I would. I would. Yeah, that I was gonna add that in trivia, but I can add to that was that was the art director was his name Richard Williams was that the art director's name? Uh, yeah, Richard Williams, the animation director. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Richard Williams was the one who told uh, Robert Zemeckis like, "Hey, they say that we can't, you know, do those things." And then Robert Zemeckis was like, "Why not?" He said, uh, uh, "Richard was like, those guys are just lazy. They yeah. don't. They, <laughs> you basically you." He said, "We actually like to do that, you know, like to follow have a character like." move around like that right and just follow it um it just it's double the work when you do it though exactly so when you do it it's double the work because i felt i was like man how this looks new like when you look it at hold, it, it something <laughs> holds up pretty freaking nice man so the reason it looks new because it's not just all flat it's like kind of three-dimensional and um that's like, like third process from ilm when they stepped in mm-hmm. and they added in those extra highlights they did those extra passes of the highlights and the colors mm-hmm. as well to go along with the animation, it really absolutely gave it a, a pop. So the fact that they animated in three D, and some of the so they did it so well, some of the stuff actually looked CGI. Like some of exactly. it, I was like, did they do some of the computer? Like what are they doing over here? But no, they just animated it, you know, and did it frame by frame because they kind of did that in Back to the Future with some of the effects. They were like just animation, like straight up. Yeah, that's <laughs> what they had to do, just frame by freaking frame. And the other crazy things that they had to. Again, shoot all the live action stuff and mm-hmm. edit that and lock that in. Like it, it couldn't change it afterwards, and the animators had to just work, you know, Absolutely. work into that. That's yeah, man. I I, I appreciate this film even more mm-hmm. now. I knew it was an accomplishment then, but now I'm just like, wow, that's that's a it's a pretty amazing feat. And again, just again, just the timing of when it was released, it was like, man, this is like a perfect storm to make this thing happen at this point in time while we have. Again, all this talent, both animation-wise and voice acting-wise. That's just, yeah. Um, the music was done, what, by Alan again, right? Yeah, Alan <laughs> Silvestri, man. And sh- big shout-out to him because he had to w- do this really fine line. And you can hear it in the score where you have very cartoony, zany kind of music. And then that mixed in with this kind of 1947 uh, style of music. 
and drama mm-hmm. being worked in and, and kind of vacillating between those and merging those two. It's 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 a pretty awesome feat, and it, it's, it's seamless. It feels good. I remember li- just watching as a kid. It's like, oh, it does feel like a cartoon. And I think one of the guys said it was like, you know, tune music and film noir, like, mixed together. Yes, sir. Um, and just... Uh, they said when Jessica, when she was, um, she wasn't necessarily being scored. It was just like a, some jazz musicians um, playing along to whenever, like just kind of vibing out and just whenever she come in on the screen, she they're just playing it. And that's like, that's what it is. But it wasn't a score. It was just those guys riffing. Mm. Um, I just thought the music was well done. Yes, sir. Uh, from a styling standpoint, what style uh, do you think they were trying to reach? Man, this is, again, this is not the first film to blend live action and animation. Mm-hmm. Like, we've seen this in, in other films, uh, even even before uh, yeah. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But this film kicked off a, a renaissance. From in, the South. The South will be there. Yeah, song in the South. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> oh, man. But there, there were other, some of the, some of the animation style in this reminded me of some of the, oh, man, what's that? There's a. An animator, I can't think of his, his name, but he I think I actually want to say I think Coonskin falls under his studio. But he, he did more of that kind of a, a kind of more mature animation stuff in the late sixties into the into the seventies. What's the rock and roll one? Heavy metal. Yeah, yeah. Or would it, would that have come after this? Yeah, this would. No, this, oh, well, heavy, heavy, heavy metal was was. I'm pretty sure heavy metal was before this. Uh-huh. I think it's like kind of like early '80s, late '70s. No, anyway, I, I don't know the exact date of heavy metal, but but this guy, you know, his stuff was 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 before that. Like this is like late '60s, early '70s, but it was more kind of adult style stuff and dealing with mm-hmm. it's kind of political at times. And but um, some of those influences, I can see some of those character influences in some of this animation as well. But um, makes me want to look back at a uh, Cool World. I don't remember if that. One yeah, was it made me think about Cool World also, and I'm I'm curious who directed. Cool World. Cool World with Brad Pitt. Hollywood, if Holly could. I remember that being like the tagline. Yeah, I remember Spike Lee being mad. He's like, man, I got all this money for crap like Cool World. <laughs> and you only give me like $40 million. Did he direct Cool World? No, he was. I think he was mad because of like the least amount of money they were giving Malcolm X uh, for mm. that film and giving him a hard time. He's like, but y'all won't put a money into this film that's trash, basically, is what he was saying. Ooh. Uh yeah, dang. But um, what I was what I was saying is that this film kicked off a renaissance in animation for Disney. Excuse me. Oh really? Yeah, this is why we like we because like apparently like two D animation or just animation at the time it wasn't two D or three. It was just it was just animation. It was it was really dying out. Uh, the style and demand was was dying out. Aside from like your Saturday morning cartoons, but as far as feature films and animation. But because of this and all the work that happened and even some of the breakthroughs, this is why we got Little Mermaid and Aladdin and Lion King that came out later on in, in the 90s, Beauty and the Beast. So, yeah, this this film helped kicked off, kicked off, kick all that off. Wow. And the renaissance of, of, of Disney animation or just animation, I guess, in general. Um, I agree. Yeah. I, I think out of all of this out of all the things that mix that I remember when you're mixing live action with animation, this was probably like the most entertaining out of all of it that I remember. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because at times it's, it's kind of, it can be very dark at times. Mm-hmm. There are folks getting murked. 
Both, yeah. Yeah. both, <laughs> real world, both animated, yeah, both <laughs> animated characters and real life characters. I mean, again, there's literally a guy getting got shot a, in the back. Yeah, a guy got a piano dropped on his. You know, the guy's brother got a piano dropped on him. Yeah. Or, or the the Acme guy had his head crushed by a. What was that? Was that a? Well, I don't forget what they dropped on his head. Huh? What was it? Bricks? Maybe I don't know. I remember. Yeah, but I mean, the guy got his head crushed. Yeah, it's like wow. And, and then, the fact is the whole setup behind it, it's like, man, this is. And then the head of the studio, the animation studio, they got like you see the bullets go in where the, those crimes, you know, mentioned the head on the piano. Blah, blah, um, we didn't actually see that happen in front of the screen. Yeah. But we actually see the dude get popped in the back a few times. There wasn't no blood, but we still saw him get. Uh, <laughs> you see murked. the bullet holes in the back. Yeah, man. Like this, this is a this is a dangerous a dangerous time a dangerous time. There was corruption everywhere. But even like Christopher Lloyd's character. Kind of gave me like kind of the mar large Marge vibes, like when the, when people's eyes do crazy, when you see those red eyes, and man, it's like ooh. As a kid, I was like, oh, that, that kind of creeped me out. I'm sure. I'm like, yeah, his crazy eyes, <laughs> crazy. Uh, from a tone standpoint, I just wrote down uh, what somebody had mentioned. I think it was on the commentary that it was just pulp crime mystery with a twist. Yeah, I said live animated hybrid comedy slash noir murder mystery. All that going on. And yeah, you get that right away. Mm-hmm. Man. Uh, well, almost right away. At the beginning, it starts out with an animation. You think it's just like another, you know, regular animation that you would see with Bugs Bunny or something like that. But that's kind of a throwback to what they would do. Sometimes you go to see a movie, sometimes they would show you an animated short. Yeah. Uh, before you got into the live the live action feature. But it's cool that they then all of a sudden break mm -hmm. and you're automatically taken kind of behind the scenes of anim... anim <laughs> Tunes working in the Hollywood system, yeah, in 1947. So that's kind of cool to see that that break of oh, we're we're actually just actors, but we're tunes, but we're actually just actors. And you know, Baby Herman, yeah. How many times do I gotta go through this? Yeah, you know, it's like oh wow, this guy's pissed, you know, and getting a cigar and <laughs> goosing people. It's like what in the world? Excuse me, tuts. Mm hmm. <laughs> uh, do you have any themes from this film? Yes, sir. I had a theme of uh, remember your sense of humor. Ah, that's right. Uh, mine was just don't judge a book by its cover. And that's kind of like laid out by uh, Jessica Rabbit when she said, I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. Yeah, that's oh, a great line. It is. That is a, I think that may have been in the trailers even. I'm positive that was in one of the trailers. Um, opposites attract. Indeed. I put true love as well because whatever Jessica and... and um, Roger have that's 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 true love. Yeah, just like laugh. Hey, hey, make me laugh. Well, you know, my wife, she I can make her laugh like that. Nice. Yeah, she even says that. He makes me laugh. <laughs> what is what what you and Roger? What, what do you? Yeah, he makes me laugh. I was like, you always got somebody hating. He was hating on. He was like, what do you see in this guy? We're all wondering. Come on. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, because uh, he had also mentioned the detective said he mentioned something about love making, and she's like, "You better believe it, buddy." Yeah, <laughs> I put that in my quotes. I was like, "Yo," like, I was like, 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 she's like "He's like poking hints, like, bro, back off." Yeah, like, she's you like, know, she's like, "You better believe it." Uh, oh, I was like, "There's more going on behind the scenes." Ryan guys. Roger is laying, laying. <laughs> 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 He's motivated with it for the <laughs> Roger that. <laughs> oh man, yeah, man. Uh, and then I put I put uh, civil rights. Yeah, absolutely. Because like these tunes trying to have a right to 
own their space, their place. Dude. I mean, that's like a real storyline because, I mean, here in Dallas, in Dallas, you have the city Joppy where that's exactly what happened. A bunch of black people, uh, freed slaves that had their own town. And then literally a highway is ran through their city and like just jacked up everything. That's nothing new. Right? That's a yeah. cross the country. It's happened multiple places. There's a which documentary? There's a documentary that, that talked talked about that happening. Mm-hmm. It has happened in multiple multiple towns, especially in like the inner cities where they they'll do oh, that, yeah. run the highway right through it. Yeah, because it's like okay, well, we don't want to be inconvenient, so those people they don't mind. Let's run it through. Yeah. yeah, that's when you get into the how you draw those uh, political lines and gerrymandering, all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so those are the themes that I had for. It. Who framed Roger Rabbit? I had some business stuff. Shoot. So in 1981, Walt Disney Productions bought the rights to the book, uh, which was called Who Censored Roger Rabbit by Gary yeah. Wolf. Um, and because the, uh, Robert Smeggs only directed two movies, um, which was I Want to Hold Your Hand and Used Cars, which were both were flops. They, you know, they, he wasn't the first pick for that. True. From a business standpoint. And then also uh, the project was abandoned for years. But then the new CEO of Walt Disney, Michael Eisner, contacted yeah. Steven Spielberg to produce the film. Mm-hmm. And Spielberg convinced the other animation companies like Warner Brothers and I believe Lasher Studios to lend their characters to the movie. So even though it's a that's Disney production, takes. so that's how Spielberg, man. So that's how he was able to bring in those other folks. That's power that that's a perfect storm. That is perfect storm because you there's nobody who had the kind of stroke that quite like Spielberg had for him to be there at that time to be able to say, Hey, come on, come on, lend, lend your characters over here. Mm-hmm. That's that's you. And, and to have at that time, that current president of Disney, mm-hmm. um, him in place at that time to be open to that. That's yeah. Cause if you had had somebody older or whatever, who may have said, no, we don't want one. Like that's a perfect storm, man. That's, that's pretty incredible. And then you had certain conditions had to be met with uh, with some of the characters. Like, yeah, Bugs Bunny had to be in the scene with Mickey Mouse. Daffy Duck had to do, be in the, the scene. With Donald. Uh, yeah, for like, so that to be sure that there's equal screen time. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. And so, and I mentioned earlier about the $50 million and bringing bought down to $30 million to get the ball rolling for production. And then by the time that it was back rolling again, that's when Robert Zemeckis had did his back to the future situation. So now his reputation's on point. So I was like, hey, hey, Robert, <laughs> you remember that film you wanted to do? That And somebody else had turned down the film. I can't think of the other director had turned down and he actually regretted turning it down because he said, I couldn't have done it. You know, he said technically he didn't know how to do it or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, but in retrospect, he said he was just probably just scared being lazy <laughs> or like just like <laughs> just didn't want to do that, put in that time. Uh, but that's all I have for business stuff. I just uh, I'm glad that they had talked about some of the business stuff. I actually, I found that on on YouTube. You know how like sometimes on YouTube it'd be like ten things about this movie or about this song or something that just so happened to pop up when I was looking for the commentary. Oh, that's good. That's a that's a good find. Um, I know that. Uh, I'll I'll say that for uh, tips. Actually, all right. Go What's some memorable scenes or some of your favorite scenes? Uh, for me, kicking things off is Donald and Daffy in their yeah. dueling pianos because you can't help but growing up and you see Donald Duck and he's very distinct in the way he speaks uh-huh. and Daffy Duck in the way he acts uh, in terms of, at times, Daff- Daffy can appear two ways. 
Mm-hmm. There's there's a version of Daffy in some cartoons where he is absolutely just like nuts, <laughs> and you see a little bit. Of, you see, and you actually see both versions of Daffy in this scene. There, there's the other version of Daffy who is egotistical and just cocky as all get yeah, out, yeah, and yeah. Uh, he's like an ego maniac. And, and and you see that at the beginning is like you know you know Daffy uh, or Donald <laughs> says something to to to. to Daffy while they're playing he's bipolar and Daffy says does anybody understand what this duck is saying <laughs> yeah that was, it's like man like wow you're a duck too you know yeah, like, but it was kind of hard to hear what the other ducks say yeah but, it, but it's mad smug yeah uh, but then by the time we get to the end of the dueling pianos now we're seeing the real kind of Daffy Daffy duck his his his, his I don't know his his downy feathers are curled yeah, over, yeah. and he's just like, like the crazy pianist that's just getting into yeah, his thing. And, and even like the way he's drawn his his bill is a little bit longer. It's like it's like the very early version of Daffy, oh. and he's really going into it. And he's he just he's got that crazy look in his eye. I'm like, okay, that's the early Daffy Duck. <laughs> and then we even see Donald. Donald is a Donald has he's like bipolar. Like he's got a, he's got another side of him where he just when he gets mad, like yeah. you often will see him. He's like that character that turns red, yeah, and <laughs> just like just goes just off. We actually see literally the little devil horns yeah, come out. I was like, he's, what? he's like he's trying to murk Daffy yeah, over this man. piano battle, but yeah, man, that was a that was a very cool. That kind of kicked it off to let you know, yo, this is different. Like we got Daffy and Donald. What what is happening right now? This is the this is the cro- like the first big crossover. Yeah, and kind of leading to that is just uh, introduction of Jessica. So like you know uh, we're following our detective into this this joint. He's seeing all this stuff going around, and then uh, we see uh, Acme. Is that the guy's name? Yeah, yeah. He's getting ready. He's like throwing all his perfume. Like he's all happy. He's like, dude, this dude's really into rabbits. And then, <laughs> <laughs> like, he, like, well, you just say you don't understand what the big deal is. You know, all these people. Like, you literally see guys running to the stage in the background. They're like, what the heck's going on? And then, it, <laughs> then she starts singing that song, and that dress is like sparkling and black. And then the detective's like, oh, this is why. And then she just singing that song, you know. Song, the song is, is, is pretty hot. It is. It's like give me, give me your money, give you know. Some money too. <laughs> and you got the little, again. This is some nineteen forties. Well, I guess kind of speakeasy. Yeah. You know, swing like jazz vibe yeah. too. And it it's was just, good. It was hot. And it was like, do, do, why don't you do right? Why don't you do right? Give me somebody. Yeah, she's got the the sultry again, femme fatale. Yeah, and yeah, all eyes on her, and she is unnatural. Like she, or like her her dimensions and curves are, but it works. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, it works. Like she's all these years, like, Jessica Rabbit is still. It like it makes you like it draws it draws attention. <laughs> it is. I see what you did there. Yeah, she she is a very sensual character, but she's designed and drawn that way on purpose. Where you are, wait, what is wait, what's going on here? And it's in this, I'm looking at animation in this way. And you're and you're and you're thrown because like you you we've seen Roger Rabbit and we hear about his wife Jessica Rabbit. Rabbit. Yeah, and you're thinking, okay, but but no, he's married to a. She's still a tune. Yeah, she's a tune. Yeah, she's a, she's a tune as well, but she's a human tune. But now in this world, it's like yeah, yeah. they're all in, it's all animated. It's like <laughs> who's drawn correctly? There's nobody getting hurt. We're just having fun. <laughs> we're, we're tunes, right? But uh, but yeah, she is. 
Yeah, and she's you know flirting with uh, with with Acme. She's literally taking uh, his handkerchief out and yeah. <laughs> shining his dome up. Yeah, yeah. And she's got Eddie all kinds of flustered. Yeah, that but, was hilarious. She just got the energy just working the room. Oh man! And then he's like, "Okay, I, I get it now." You <laughs> know. Yeah. But just again, how they animated the interaction between the the the, the animation and the live action characters mm-hmm. is so spot on you know from her taking his hat off and pushing it into his chest yeah yeah solid super solid but yeah that is a very memorable scene yeah um and then the opening scene just uh going from animation to to real life and seeing the juxtaposition like oh this isn't a baby at all this is a a person a man yeah yeah he's got an attitude this is a man child (laughs) It looks like that. Like, what kind of bizarre animation is this? You know, you you see right away, you know what's going on. You see these guys treating the animate the the actual cartoons a certain way. It's like, why are you doing that? Like, they talking to them crazy. It's like, they're just treating them like regular people. Yeah, and we see we got this like kind of like desperation out of out of Roger, almost like he is pleading with the director that I can give you stars. I can give you stars. Like, he's like got this desperation to him. It's like. All right, like is he like a people pleaser? Like, why are you so are you worried about getting fired? Like, well, they did twenty five takes. Oof. Remember they, that's why the that's why the baby was mad. He was like, we yeah, did that twenty five times. That that's a lot because there's a lot that happens in that in that <laughs> one scene. There's so much that happens. Like yeah. that animation, there's a lot. My family, we were watching this, and I was just thinking of the dimensions of the kitchen. I'm like, what kind of kitchen is this? This is a large kitchen. Yeah. And this is an irresponsible mother because who who puts their knives out to dry face up? Who has butter? Not butter. Who has bread on top of the refrigerator? Not in any container. It's just there. So when the baby's like slipping over trying to get the cookies, like I was like, who who puts loaves of bread up there like that on top of the fridge? That's gross. It's got to be the worst bread ever. Man, that's dusty. Bread's gonna be dusty. A dust sandwich. Uh, that's that's pretty. I don't know. That that's rough. And again, all this, yeah, it's just again, all of this is designed for a price. But it's like you start like just like man. Again, I'm just saying like when he passes over those all those knives that are just face up. I'm like, this is highly irresponsible. Where, where, who reaches for the blade to grab when the handle is like no? Yeah. That doesn't. You asking to get cut up? Maybe that's why we didn't see you from the voice up. You probably got just little bandages all over your hands and fingers because uh, this is nah. This is it was dangerous. a good one. It was a good scene. Um, you got any more? Yes, sir. Um, when Judge Doom executes that shoe, oh. opens up the 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 drip. It's basically the dip. acid. I'm sorry, the dip. For the people that haven't seen, it's like a vat of acid, basically to us, green acid. It's all the stuff that and it's all the chemicals they use to to erase animation cells. The combination of those life. chemicals, yeah, which yeah, is pretty kind of clever. Yeah, yeah. I'm like that's. That's smart. How do you how do you kill a tune? Yeah, yeah. Erase it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just just erase it. Which, yeah, it, it, it's smart. But anyway, so yeah, so there's just one little shoe, and, yeah. it, and, it, and it's, it's it's a live animated shoe, which kind of lessens the blow. But this thing is like it looks. It's a cute little shoe. It's got a face and eyes, and it's, it's like, held over this thing, and yeah, it's making noises. It didn't. And he didn't commit a crime, did it? I know. Yeah, I did. He just murdered. He, he just, just murdered. He the just show. did to prove a point. And he just slowly dips in there, and it's it's shaking, and and it's it's he's just slowly killing this thing, and he's got a special glove on and submerses it, and and he pulls his hand out, and it's all red, uh, with like just cell paint. Yeah, I was gonna say juice, but yeah, blood though. But it was red, so it kind of 
they said they had to actually bring down the the the, the, the volume on the foley because of the, the the sound of this thing it made whatever and like as wow. a kid watching that I was like oh man yeah you feel me like <laughs> oh, hey, that's not right as a kid as an adult like hmm, you know murder life happens <laughs> <laughs> toughen up you took the wrong step didn't you shoe? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah that shoe was just kind of being friendly I think it, it kind of it, it fell out of that box it, it fell out of that box while the other little tune device. It was almost like a, almost like a, it almost felt like an animal because it kind of was like brushing up next to his leg like like a cat or, or a dog or whatever. You're trying to get in trying to get on them feet. Oh, shoe shoe <laughs> fetish. <laughs> shoe fetish. <laughs> but yeah, so that scene stood out to me. Uh you got any other scenes? Um I like when when uh Jessica is trying to tell the detective that she'll pay whatever to find Roger or whatever. I forgot. I think that what it was. She was trying to find Roger so she'll pay whatever or clear his name. Yeah. And so she was like, you know, his pants are literally, his pants fall down and his girl comes in to tell him about the news and like, <laughs> what do you say about that? You know, you're getting caught literally with your pants down. And uh, then she was, but like, she's so sultry and like sensual that, sensual. like she doesn't break character. She just like, my offer stands. And then she blows him a kiss and then her lips literally float through the air and slap him across the face. Yeah. It's like she blows a kiss and literally the kiss is animated almost like a little butterfly yeah. and it Smack. <laughs> lands on his face. <laughs> and then his girlfriend like comes over there and like snatches that kiss off his face. And he's like, nothing's going on. I just caught you with your pants down. Because <laughs> he's like, yeah, nothing happened. I caught you with your it's down. It, it's, it's funny because like they literally fall down. Watch it. it's it's shot really well. That's uh, it's like oh this is uh, <laughs> because he's holding not what it, not what it seems. So because he took a shower, so he's literally holding his pants up. Right. So he's, he wears suspenders, and he had he hadn't strapped them back on yet. <laughs> <laughs> but his shirt is hanging, you know, hanging over. Uh, it's yeah, that's that, that's a funny scene because it's so awkward for him. <laughs> my my other scene that I, that I. That I thought it just it just gets me every time is when, right? Uh, Roger has slapped handcuff a handcuff onto, um, onto uh, our, our main character onto Valiant's uh, Eddie onto Eddie's hand, yeah, and it's also onto his. And, and Roger's like, I don't have the keys to these handcuffs, yeah. So they're cuffed together for a while, and they when they they get back to um, the bar. Yeah, they get back to the bar, and mm -hmm. he has a hacksaw, and he starts working on trying to saw off this handcuff, and he's on this like shaky crate, and he's like, "I need you to, you know, you know, to, to, to be on the same side or whatever." And so, and so he starts working on sawing this thing, and Roger proceeds to slide his hand out of the cuff ever so simply, so he can hold the crate steady, so Eddie can saw the cuff off, and Eddie saw. Thanks. Stop. Yeah, he goes, he goes. He goes. Is that is that better? He's like, yeah, thanks. And he and Eddie stops and he he looks at Roger and he's like, "Are you telling me you could have just slid your hand out at any time out of this handcuff?" And he's like, "No, only if it was funny." And it was. Oh man, it's, it's just out of the way that plays out. It's uh, what makes it because he's holding a crate and he's like, "Thank you." He looks at Roger and then he whips his head to the left and then Roger goes back into the cuff. Back into the cuff. <laughs> Oh, and this is the time, yeah, I mean, the, and that's that kind of that's almost like a trope that timing of the the delayed reaction. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know, I, I dig that when he does, they just slide his hand out and holding the crate. Mm -hmm. You are just insane, Roger. 
Um, another one of my like favorite scenes, and I think me and my cousin, my older cousin, we were talking about this. Y'all die laughing, and then, like you mm. like kind of get the like the foreshadow of what's gonna happen to these guys because yes, they're weasels and they just can't stop laughing. And even doc, uh, is it Judge Doom? Judge it, Doom. Like, then he said, "You're gonna end up like your cousins, the hyenas, or something." Yeah, like that. that's right. He does. <laughs> it's all laughing hyenas. And, and so he, <laughs> that's a great scene. Every time they just keep laughing, they can't stop. There's been a few times in my life where I've laughed so hard, I thought it was over. Like you just can't <laughs> get your breath. I've done that. A, it doesn't happen often. Mm. Uh, that's like every, I don't know. That's like once a lifetime thing. Like For sure. I, where you just can't stop. Yeah. Well, your face starts to <laughs> You're hurt. Like, stop! Stop! And the person doesn't just get When your face starts yes. to hurt from like just laughing or smiling so much. But those are. You know, you need those every now and then. But yeah. it, 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 there's something funny about the way like these guys go out when they're when they're laughing, especially <laughs> the one who was the one who was driving the big rig thing at uh -huh. the end of the the acetone vat when he died. Like, <laughs> 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 and when the souls are leaving the spirit, one of them tries to grab the soul back and yeah, bring it back in. Hold his life, you know, it too, slips too out. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Like they just. Get, <laughs> Explode <laughs> away! You're done. You're done. That's but that's uh, those characters are great because they 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 can't help but giggle. Like whatever's going on, and they giggle. And any misfortune, and if you keep playing to it, they'll just keep laughing. It's great. Yeah, it's like you literally like kind of you kill them with humor. Like you, and then again, I think Roger Louis said it, you're slaying them and you're killing them. <laughs> that's like that's the comedians. You know, the comedians know when they're killing the room. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, but they, literally, <laughs> and, you, and and it's so funny because I mentioned the theme of you know not forgetting your sense of humor. We see early on in the film when we get the pan over of Eddie's desk mm -hmm. that he actually is literally used to be in the circus. He was a circus performer. Like, uh, like this guy has a comedic background, knows about timing, but he has become so hard hardened over the loss of his brother. He had forgotten that, but he literally has to remember that to not only save his life but to save Roger's life. He has to go back into that. He's you know does his little song and dance and slapstick. And he saves the day. Man, oh man. Yes, sir. So I also, again, I already mentioned the Mickey and Bugs. Uh, and so actually, yeah, you, we already mentioned that scene again where Eddie gets goes funny, just him just doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, and the last one I'll mention is the, uh, when the judge, Doom, when he gets run over by that steamroller. Yeah. Now uh, things that he's That's like, memorable. He's like, ah! He gets his foot, <laughs> and, then, ah! and then his voice goes all high, and you see this guy, and you think, oh, man, this is a human. He's getting, he's getting crushed. Yeah. And then you realize. You don't see no blood or anything no. squirt out, because I mean, it would be a disaster yeah. if you would have seen this if it was a person. A different rating, too. <laughs> Rated R! Man. But, yeah, he gets flattened, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. He's not human. He's a he's a freaking tune. Yeah. Big reveal. That one was good. That was good. <laughs> good acting too, because like why why is rolling over? He just ah, he just like keep rocking back and stuff. Desperate, desperate. <laughs> but then it makes other things kind of make sense. Like when they're in the bar and that stuff spills over. Yeah. The dip. The they drip, make sure the, that they shoot that right. Yeah. You see his feet go back. Feet, Step step. What does he care about the dude? Right? Hmm. Yeah, he's like just you know playing it cool, but he's hmm. <laughs> gotta watch myself. <laughs> Can't give up the game. Um, um Yeah, one thing I didn't realize, I don't know if this is a trivia thing or something like that. Did you notice that he wasn't blinking? Not until they mentioned in the commentary. I didn't that I he didn't. shot his scenes, yeah, and they told him not to blink 
while he did his scenes. That's well, because sometimes he has uh, glasses on, right, or shades. Yeah. But I watched it like. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, I picked it up during uh, one of the features. Mm-hmm. And so I made sure when I watched the commentary, I looked at every time I was looking at it, I was like, is he going to blink? It does not blink. And so, man, I wish they would have made it more obvious that he wasn't blinking on like first watch, like first mm. watching it. Um, that's something you catch subconsciously. So like when the mask pops off, when he's airing himself back up, you know, from being a flat cartoon, putting air back in his body, and then the mask pops off, and then the two eyeballs pop off. He's like, oh, that's why... He wasn't blinking because he had these little fake eyes. Fake eyes. I'll tell you what's also kind of funny is when he slips, <laughs> when he slips early on, he slips on the eye. Just the <laughs> you know, that was a real, that looked like a real mistake and he just kept on. There's just something funny about that. Like, <laughs> boom, when he hits, he hits the ground and, uh, and the weasels, they start, they start, they start cracking up. They yeah. start laughing at him. But they, he slips on a bunch of eyeballs, actually. Yeah. It's a bunch of fake eyeballs. Man. And like, I think one of his May pop out because he, he's kind of covering his eye mm-hmm. for, for, oh. for a little while, so he may have lost one of his eyes. We're having a the theme of eyes, like yes, death sir. becomes a. Oh. We had to fix his eye. That was. <laughs> um, do I have any more favorite scenes? There's a, a lot. I mean, this was very nostalgic to watch this film. It was like, oh, I just like the movie. Yeah, um, but I like the baby when he's like talking all that crap. You know. Um, telling the lady go get him lunch or whatever he was she was supposed to be getting for him, and then he. Later on, the detective like pushes baby cart and then he drops his cigar and he starts crying. My stogie. They zoom in on his you you on the back of his throat and then doesn't ah. that transition to something else to the next scene or whatever? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't see why not. Yeah, man. This this was this was solid. There are a lot of good scenes. There's get some some good quotes. This I, I I enjoyed this more than I thought I would actually. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good revisit. Yes, sir. Uh, do you have anything else? Uh, not for scenes. Do you have any tropes? Well, yes, I do. So this film, the way it comes in, and I'm sure there are a whole lot more tropes because this, this is playing off of two genres, yeah. right? We're playing off the film noir, which is loaded with tropes. Yeah, I only got a couple, and that's just going off memory. Again, I've, I've got the first one I mentioned alluded to earlier: crows portrayed or Negroes portrayed as crows. Oh man, that's a, that's one of those ones that's unfortunate. Yes. Um, the drinking private eye. Oh, yep, yep. I put the uh, exposition through uh, panning over pictures. Dude, yeah, telling that story because we saw that in Back to the Future, I think, through the pictures. Yeah. It's like you always got to have that little roaming camera that's just going through each phase of your life. Oh, you're happy here. Not so much here. What happened to that person? It's a tragedy. Yeah. It's like, oh, shapes this character. And that's why he's sad. And drunk. (laughs) Um, Oh, there's a a good. Anyway, I'm thinking about one of the 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 quotes that pops up. And uh, anyway, there's more tropes, but that's all I have. I have um, the tragic backstory is finally revealed. And. We we well, it happens kind of twice. Mm-hmm. Well, we well we get the initial hint at it from um, I gotta get her name down. I keep forgetting her. Dolores. She says it in the bar. You know, somebody dropped a piano on his brother's head. She yeah. says it's very very flat. Like, oh okay. But then Eddie reveals it to Roger, and he, he shares more details when he talks oh, about yeah. the, you know the voice he heard, and he remembers those piercing red eyes. So we get that right. That's always. That's why you hate me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the kiss that gets interrupted by the third wheel. So when oh, that happened a couple times. Yeah, it happens twice. Like it happens once with I think I 
in the theater. They're in the theater. Yeah. She finally comes to see them in the theater. She's giving them an update. I had to shake the weasels, you know, first. <laughs> and they're there. They're getting ready to come in all of a sudden, you know. You know, Roger interrupts, of course. Don't mind me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the thing happens again right at the end. They're getting ready to kiss. And then, like, Roger says something or whatever. So, yeah, they interrupt the kiss. Uh, then we have the drunk who pours out the alcohol in the moment of clarity. Ah. So we see Eddie at the and end. And just like that, he's been cured. Like you've been drinking for years. It's an alcoholic. All I needed was the, I needed the right case and the right motivation. <laughs> and he has that bottle. Yeah. Pours it out. He even gets his 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 special uh, tune gun with his special bullets. Yeah, I think all yeah that whole situation, the montage of my weapon that I'm going to use, like, my very special weapon. <laughs> Um, it's pretty good bullets until they weren't until they couldn't see. I yeah, guess they were so they, old they, they couldn't track. see. <laughs> Which way did it go? <laughs> but you have that that Pat. Actually, that's a kind of a callback. That same. But I think both those vo- voice actors are actors in the Back to the Future Part Three. I know Pat Bertram mm. definitely. He was in the bar because his voice is so unique. Hey, how's that voice kind of vacillates up and down? What do I know? He definitely Pat Bertram was in Back to the Future Part Three. Uh, Zemeckis has quite a few people from other films that he's brought in this one. Like he's stuck in that world. He's in that world. Yes, sir. Uh, last two I had was the the visionary villain speech. So we get Judge Doom at the end sharing his motivations for all this, all these shenanigans and jacking the wheel. Starts talking about a highway, yes. <laughs> freeways. They're like, what the hell's a freeway? And there's uh. going to be billboards that rise up. There'll be gas stations and all. And he's describing this. I'm like, he's actually pretty spot on. This guy's a, he's right. <laughs> day, like, you guys are just impeded progress. <laughs> this is going to happen. It, it, it's just, like this guy's a visionary. coming soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy's a visionary. <laughs> and then I then I have my last trope was uh, the 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 lead villain melts. That's kind of giving kind of oh, a witch the witches. Exactly. Yeah. Throw back to the Wizard of Oz. Oh. Yeah. I always think about the Incredibles when the villain's doing, "Oh my god, you got me monologuing." <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good one. <laughs> oh man. But it's true. Yeah, he does. He Yeah. But I'm like, man, this is actually <laughs> his plan's pretty solid, guys. I don't know. We might just call it a wrap. <laughs> Going about your way, Judge. You, you. <laughs> All right. Quotes. I got a few. Yes, sir. Stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> the weasels are just like just having a good time. That was like the first time we hear uh, one of the weasels, the lead weasel, tell the other ones to stop laughing was when they're looking for Roger at the detective's apartment, and he has Roger in the sink. Well, he was acting like he's washing dishes, and those guys are laughing about whatever's happening. It doesn't happen at the crime scene when um, when, when 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 Judge Doom slips on the eyeballs. Is that the first time? Does he have to he have to kind of warn him then? Um. So the weasel warns them at the apartment. Judge Doom warns them that time, which I think was at the bar. Um, mm. And then, of course, he tries. To, <laughs> it was <laughs> at the end of the movie. It was just like, "Hey, y'all, I just, <laughs> had no supervision that time." Nope. <laughs> no one can save you now. Yeah. Uh, so this one is by the studio head, Mister Maroon himself. Um, when he's when he initially hires Eddie, he says. He's a tune. You could drop anything you want on his head and he'll shake it off. But break his heart and he goes to pieces just like you and me. 
Okay. Feels quite profound. Um, when our detective goes to Toontown, um, he's on this elevator that's controlled by Droopy. <laughs> that was great to see Droopy. Yeah, like, man. Yow. Just unfazed as he has his escalator, I mean, elevator from hell that's just going up and down. And any- French flushing. <laughs> Have a good day, sir. sir. He's always so melancholy. bounces out of there. Just chill. <laughs> and moves his head back as the doors close just in time. Yeah. Like, this guy, this guy's good. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I had. All right. This is I, when Eddie first goes into that speakeasy club in, and not necessarily in Toontown, but at, at the club where Jessica Rabbit's at. And he orders a drink. And he says, on the rocks. And he pauses and says, I mean ice. Because <laughs> like, like, oh. remember earlier, he had a remember he had a cup and it had, it had rocks. Well, and this he was is, that's the scene before. He, oh. he literally told them, and I mean ice. But they still gave him rocks. It was too late. He still actually got rocks in his drink. <laughs> like, man, that's, that's just that smart writing, man. Like, it's that like Because you think about like how a tune would be and how annoying that would be. And how does that translate into your world? And that would be funny. And... I still want what I want. I think they. I think the tunes again. I think it kind of plays into what Roger said. Like they had, part of them is programmed to do things for laughs. Yeah. So they know that on the on the rocks means ice, but their brain says, "I got to do the fun. I got to do the bit. Yeah. I have to do the bit. So I, I'm going to put rocks in this dude's drink and still serve it that way. Oh man. But yeah, I was like, that's this is clever. Because they've gotten to the psychology of the tune. Facts. Uh, Any more quotes? I've got, yeah, I've got several more. Uh, Okay, no worries. Oh, so uh, Roger, when he's in the office, both with Eddie and with Mr. Maroon, and Roger's, Roger's like very poetic, right? And he likes, he likes to say things in threes, Mm -hmm. and he likes to take those the, the three things that mean the same thing but he just says in different ways and he's talking about how much he loves Jessica he says she's the sugar in my coffee and, and he says you better start drinking it black <laughs> that's right cream sugar in my coffee we died laughing on that oh, that yeah, was a good punchline he's like you better start drinking it black I was like oh man dude cynical way and of course you know Roger's kind of key catchphrase was like please that ain't <laughs> Ah, just that man. This flasher just the hits actor that. that plays that he looks nuts. You like when you <laughs> he's, he's like the perfect he's the perfect actor for this. He is mad high energy, uh, yeah. but man, he 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 pulls it off. Um, oh, so this is this is the line I was thinking of. So when they're when they're in um, Eddie's office and uh, Roger asks him, he goes like. Where's your brother anyway? He looks like a sensitive, sober fellow. Yeah. I was like, yo, <laughs> the way he says it, the expression on Roger's face when he says sober, like his, like he, he, the emphasis he puts on that, that's just pretty hilarious because he's taking a direct jab at yeah. Eddie's drinking. I do have one quote um, <laughs> that was hilarious when um, when the detectives at the bar drinking and then. Uh, I guess I don't know the guy's name but he has like a distinct voice and he's kind of giving him a hard time kind of bullying him a little bit he's like what you doing in Toontown you, you know did you just is Dinky Doodle lost <laughs> like <laughs> he's making up names yeah the way he said it it was hilarious I was like Dinky Doodle man that's funny that's funny uh, so this is actually speaking of the bar it's the bar owner Dolores yeah 
Mm. So this is when uh, Eddie's sneaking back in the bar, and he's got he's got Roger kind of hidden in his coat, and Roger's oh. just moving around. He's trying to get him still, and he finally pushes Roger down, and Roger kind of protrudes almost out of the front of his coat, and Dolores just straight faces. Eddie. He's like, "So tell me, Eddie, is that a rabbit in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me?" <laughs> Classic line. Almost like a, a trope. Yeah. But yeah, Roger's there kind of bulging out of Eddie's midsection and Doris delivers that line. Perfect. Spot on. Uh <laughs> once again, this is this is Roger. When they're when they're uh they're in the hidden room within the bar and they start figuring out that it's all about the Acme's will. And the the probate starts talking about the probate, and Roger's like, "My uncle used to have a probate, a problem with his probate. Yeah. He had to take these big pills and drink a lot of water." <laughs> <laughs> and then he has to finally say, "Not probe. That's a prostate. We're talking about probate, you idiot." But just the the way Roger begins to describe it, it was pretty hilarious. That's a again, as a kid, did not catch that joke. Right. As an adult, you're like, "That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny." Yeah, take these. Big pills drink a lot of water. I think uh, the weasels they would always uh, say words incorrectly a couple times. Mm. But I forgot what the words were. But not, not, because we were watching the subtitles, subtitles down at the bottom. Oh, okay, okay. It helps them helps to stick too. This is the line you mentioned earlier, but it's just again, it's for Jessica Rabbit. It's like boom. She's, I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. Like that's. Some she says it so. She says it like in such a way. It's like, are you though? You know, <laughs> exactly right. It's just it. You always are constantly questioning her, and the way the way they they show her in different scenes, they always leave a little mm. bit of can you trust? Her? But she's the femme fatale, and that's the whole thing. Like in these films, mm-hmm. in in film noir, the femme fatale is always in question until the end. Like you yeah. don't know if you can trust her until the end, but. The detective always is kind of attracted to her because she's always a very attractive woman. Mm-hmm. That's that's how it goes. You, can you trust her? She's not bad. She's just drawn that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, so this is we we alluded to this earlier, but uh, again, Eddie when they're in two down, Eddie's talking to Jessica and he says, "Oh, he goes. I bet. I bet he he may. I bet you know, he's talking about Roger. He goes. I bet he's a better lover than a driver." And Jessica responds, "You better believe it, Buster." Mm. Oof. Better believe it, busted. Spicy. Oh, and this is this is one where uh, again they're 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 confronted by the weasels, and one of them one of them reaches like down the front of, of Jessica's dress. I think they're trying. I think they're trying to get the 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 wheel, the probate. They think they have it on her. He reaches down the front of her oh, dress, like down her boobs, a, and all of a sudden, like yeah. there's a, a something like a trap. Yeah, snaps on this, this weasel's hand, and, and Eddie says. Nice booby trap. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, I did, I did. like that's uh, wow. Okay, booby trap, booby trap. Um, oh yeah, and this is just Judge Judge Doom. Who again? I just I thought it was like just a really tongue in cheek, but like ridiculous thing when he's talking about the whole freeway system and all this all this stuff. And he's like, mm-hmm. traffic jams will be a thing of the past. <laughs> Like, I'm like, I'm bro, like, like traffic jams, just move to the highway. Exactly. I was like, no, sir. I just found it hilarious <laughs> yeah. because they knew this even then, riding in traffic jams would be a thing in the past. Nah, son. Yeah, LA nah. too. Right? <laughs> I did think of a trope when we were talking about that. Uh, at the end of the movie, you get the person explaining how all the tunes, you'll have your estate, everything has, like, the exposition of how 
you know, you get to continue to live your life. And the real estate from the bad capitalism has been reversed. And everybody celebrates. Yeah! And so <laughs> we saw that in Goonies. I just thought about that one. It said, booby trapped. Mm. So at the end of Goonies, the same thing. The capitalists, we rip, remember they ripped up the, the contract and they get to stay in the town because they were supposed to sell all their homes. That's right. And get out of town. But they ripped it up. Because huh. they had the money to, to pay them out. Mm. Nice, nice. That's all I have for quotes. Do you have any questions for our filmmakers? I did not have any specific questions that I that I wrote down. Um, I am curious, though. Here's a, I guess here's a question. Where do the tunes come from? How are they created? The drawn. See, who, I was drawn that way. That's true, but who is the master drawer of said tunes? That I don't know. Can they procreate? <laughs> is my other question. Oh, I don't know. Hmm. Yes, that's 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 a question that I that I have. Interesting. Hmm. And who would hire Roger Rabbit as a babysitter? Ah, only in the TV shows that they're doing. Indeed. But it's just, it's a job for him. It's just a job. He's on, he's on a show. Absolutely. Trivia. I'm gonna be quick on my trivia. Get through these, get quite a few. I got quite a few as well. Let's run it. Robert Zemeckis was originally turned down as a director. Mm. Um, mechanical devices were used to move things around and then covered up by the animation later. Ooh, that one was good because that, that was, was that was specifically the little stogie. Yeah. Um, the production couldn't track down Bill Murray. He was gonna. They wanted him to play the detective, but they couldn't track him down because <laughs> you know it's hard to get Bill Murray. You get he call his landline. He you may. I think it would have been a different film. It would have felt all together. Yeah, the guy they had in here was perfect. Absolutely. Um, Puppeteers were also used uh, before the animation to uh, to also move things around, especially in the scene with the octopus at the bar, moving his tentacles around, all the all the drinks, all that. That was puppeteers at work. Just one example of puppeteers at work. Kathleen Turner voiced Jessica Rabbit, who also was in Romance in the Stone, which is one of the films that helped. Our guys that make us get back to the future. But she wasn't credited for her work. Yeah, that's true. I don't know, I don't know why. Yeah, exactly. Because I was looking, I was like, where is her? Because they, they, they mentioned the body double. Right, before, on IMDb. But I'm like, but they mentioned the body double in the film, but they don't mention who's oh, the Oh, actually, yeah, that's kind of messed I'm up. I'm like, what's going on here? That, that needs to be looked into. Yeah, because I was like, I was, I was, I was, she's I was so, during the second like, time I was looking for it, I was like, where is? That's like not normal. No, it's you, not. Absolutely not normal. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that. Uh, and even now, I'm like, well, I guess they don't go back and change credits. But I'm like, that because uh, they've had time to to adjust it. You know, with all these re-releases. I mean, come on. So, yeah, but I'm like, uh, but they they haven't updated the credits to the film, like the, the original uh, credits. Like, there, yeah, somebody needs to, that needs to be looked into because yeah. uh, she's part of the union. I would assume she was part of the union at the time, or yeah, whatever. Something as big as that, like, wouldn't be a big deal. This is a very expensive film, so like, come yeah. on, I, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how that got overlooked. That wasn't, that was on purpose, and it's got to be a reason because you, that's yeah. her pictures on the cover, right? Her pictures on the cover, the character, like, nah, yeah. Uh, no one, even if you did forget it, someone would remind you. That's how big of a deal that is, for real. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. Uh, another bit of trivia. Uh, Charles Fleischer actually wore a rabbit outfit on set every day as he delivered his lines. Uh, the dude that played the voiceover of the baby, uh, the, 
Uh, he was like, <laughs> I don't know what you expected me to do. I ain't walking around here with a diaper. <laughs> After he saw Charles flash in the rabbit costume, he was like, I don't know what they expected. But if they asked me to put on a diaper, I'm leaving. <laughs> oh, man. Um, That's pretty funny. Uh, the guy Ben Haskin was cast because uh, they they liked his look. Um, they said uh, kind of remind him of somebody from that time, from the forties. He fit right in for sure. Uh, Lou Rawls was originally going to voice Benny the Cab before uh, Charlie Fletcher uh, stepped in and took over. Mm-hmm. You'll never find. Dum boom dum dum. The cab is good as mine. One year of post-production, all characters were drawn by hand. And every frame of the film uh, that they had to add to equaled out to uh, 8,200 frames that were created. Dang. Excuse me, 82,000 frames That's that was created. That's a whole lot more. Uh, <laughs> 82 frames. Uh, they did tests. Uh, they ran tests of the film. When, when it was still in development, it wasn't complete um and the t- uh robert said that they ran out of the theater he's like they was trying to get out of there they said it was a bunch of like teenagers yeah, like 17 year olds dates and stuff like yeah, that. yeah on dates and then and also the animation wasn't finished and it was like kind of like still like pencil pencil versions of the animation they ran up out of there i mean the first part is animation like, so you're not gonna stick around if you're well, on a date yeah they ran out like the verse that first scene with him and baby herman like that's all they were seeing and they yeah they bolted that also kind of speaks to how unpopular animation was at the time initially. Yeah. Like I said, this, this I mean, you didn't sign up for that. If you're 18 years old, that's not what you're trying to watch if you're on a yeah. date. Not not back Just not, not back then. Not today. Before it before it uh not today. kind of popped out. Now, I mean, there's so many kids growing up with anime. Hmm. Yeah. Different different times. Well, I mean, at the theater, what's available? Super Mario Brothers. My kids not watching that. Uh, what other animation is up there? Right. I'm talking about teenagers. He's not watching that. <laughs> Ninja Turtles, maybe, but maybe, but he's not excited about it. Sure, my my ten year old, yes, sure. Yeah. Now, Scream Five or Six? Scream Six, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's on a date to watch that with a girl. Yeah, that's 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 that's, that's good strategy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was still strategy in the 80s too right, right? Yeah. hey ain't nothing Slash changed horror film nothing new on the sun yeah the game need to change <laughs> sometimes you gotta be the cashier <laughs> um rubberized versions of the characters were used on set so the actors had something to hold before the animation was added uh huh uh, I think her name's Ebby Urbane she sung the song the uh, Jessica Rabbit was singing at um, the opening what was the name of that song I can't think of the name of the song but the, about the money you know why won't you do right give me the money <laughs> won't you do right that or was the name maybe, of yeah or do do right I remember seeing it in the credits oh okay yeah so that was one of my last trivia I got a few moments bump out here uh, actors underwent mind training to be able to act without the animated animated characters there um, and that helped give weight to their performances uh, the film combines the best of Disney animation Warner Brothers like characters and Tex Avery humor slash stories. Ooh, uh, for that mime train, I was, I'll add to that since I had it a, as a filmmaker tip. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you go through the train, he didn't. Uh, Robert Zemeckis didn't really say how long that they were in that training, uh, but he wanted the actors trained to make it feel like they're they're actually holding stuff. 
Exactly. So I was like, oh, yeah, those mimes, they do do that, you know, to make it seem like they have objects. Because if you're not trained in that, you don't, yeah. <laughs> Shaking under the weight of something, the knees, make the knees buckle. And those things you don't really think about as a person watching it. You just assume that it's ground. It's all grounded. So it actually feels real, but that requires acting to, oh, yeah. to make that happen. You got to like consider like the physics of things for sure. Uh, no computers were used. Let me rephrase that. I'm going to say no computers, but no computer generated graphics, no CGI yeah. was used in the making of this film, which is, wow. Oh, uh, it's just me. Uh, op- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the opening scene, the opening animation um, with Roger and baby Herman, that scene with the chili bottle uh, took three months to animate. And it had to be reanimated because the British animators misspelled the word chili. What? What part of the film was this? So it's once the, uh, like the, I think like the tea kettle has fallen into Roger's, and is down his throat or something oh, like that. Oh, in that and, first and, sequence? And, yeah. And then, oh. the, then the, the hot sauce, the chili sauce. Oh, uh, yeah. Gets knocked over <clears throat> and, and starts, <clears throat> yeah, and you see him turn red. Yeah, that. Chili was misspelled. They had to then reanimate it, even though it took three months to originally animate that. Uh, the last bit of trivia, the film, I, got, I already mentioned that, the last bit of trivia, that it, it caused a renaissance in, in 2D animation. Now it's time for Filmmaker Tips. Oh, we talked about this earlier, but, you know, for Filmmaker Tips, you know, for animation, uh, when you want to turn your characters around in space, it takes twice as much time to animate that. It's just more work to do it versus just having a flat character that's kind of in the 2D space. Um, yes. Couple uh, with that, I mean, again, sometimes you got to push the boundaries. Zemeckis pushed the boundaries uh, and made the animators work work harder, and they were able to pull all of this off. And that's what it takes. That's how we, that's how we get to... Um, the deadline. If you want to make a deadline, you're gonna to have to do that. And the, and money talks. So we at first, in order to get the ball rolling, was thirty million. Uh, they originally thought it was gonna be fifty million, but ended up being seventy million. Yo. And I'm pretty sure that was all over time. So the animators like they have a lot of control there because they since they're hand drawing all the stuff, they're like, you know what? Today's gonna to be a twelve hour day. <laughs> you know. Well, well, one of the directors he said in, in one of the uh, documentaries like there were times where he would kind of just go to the animator's room and he would say. Draw faster. He would say that a couple times a day. He would dip in there and, and say that. Draw faster. That was, that was Richard Williams. Yeah. <laughs> Director of animation. Yes, sir. Getting on them. Um, when combining animation with live action, while recording the live action, it may help to have the actual voice actors live on set reciting their lines, which is what they did in this film. That's why Charlie Fleischer was wearing a Roger Rabbit costume, because he... He saw it as having to be, <laughs> having to literally be in character. So he's like, no, I want to go through, you know, through, um, through hair and makeup and dress like, like, like everybody else. So, yeah. Um, that technique that you had talked about earlier about like, you know, dishes, like kind of floating in the air and they'll have to animate to that. They call that the invisible man technique. Uh, okay. It looks ridiculous until someone can, but it's cool. You can kind of draw to that. Since, you know, they hand drawn it. Yes, sir. Stick to your vision, especially if your film is screened to the wrong group. We alluded to that, that group of uh, teenagers it was screened to. But um, despite that, Robert Mag says, no, I believe in the vision of this film. I'm not, I'm not changing a thing. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, stuck with his, 
It's it's of, I mean, it's a lot of work there, man. Especially if it's if you know it's it's solid, you know, and people are tripping in the studio and the uh, from the executive suites because some people don't get it. It's like, nah, I get that. Especially the show to the wrong audience. Again, we, you know, we saw how that can, if a film was marketed wrong, it can not hit its potential like Monster Squad was. Yeah. Where, yeah. Yeah. That was because that was, I forgot the marketing situation with that one. It was the, the, the kids thought it was, parents thought it was too scary for the kids and the kids, I forgot what the kids thought, but they didn't. The right people didn't see it, or neither neither saw it. So, it, and they had you know crazy bad rap at the end. But whatever. oh man, <laughs> that was the worst. Fantastic, it's great mm. looking at listening to it now. Uh, <laughs> in animation, do everything that the camera cannot do, but make it believable. And that was Richard Williams specifically talking about Jessica Rabbit. You know, like anatomically, like the way her waist was and like that doesn't work that's not after a real person but it works for animation plus they mentioned when they animated her this is a little bit of trivia when she walked her her breasts went up like they they moved up when typically when someone's walking their breasts would would, would move down like mm-hmm. they, they changed the physics and that that added something that was funny extra. that was actually comical because like when you like Go into somebody's face and like bouncing up. Yeah, even and even <laughs> like, like it's that, not supposed to do that. But even in that same scene where uh, Deborah or Dolores sees Eddie and um, Jessica next to each other in his office, and he yeah, he goes down to, to pull up his pants, and when he brings his head up, his head hits one of her <laughs> hit the balloons. Yeah, Balloon. and just yeah, the physics are, are all there. Um, <laughs> typically question marks are not added to the title cards of a film and you we notice here even on the covers i hold the blurry in my hand who framed roger rabbit there's no question mark after rabbit yep yeah that's almost a bit of trivia but that's also something again if you're doing a film and I, I, it feels like i'm trying to think okay there has to be some film that has a question mark in the title card but i don't know i can't think we of got a lot of movies to look at yeah for that but there's a lot of them without punctuation mm. Yeah. Um, uh, Robert Zemeckis, he was just talking about from a filmmaking standpoint, you know, animation, it's like it's everything happened in slow motion. It's like watching grass grow. So you definitely got to have patience. Again, you know, they were in post production for a year. Mm hmm. Good paycheck, though. Shoot. Yeah. Make friends with great executive producers. Steven Spielberg wanted to make this film and he you know, gave Robert Zemeckis the chance to do so. But yeah, Steven Spielberg, linchpin to this. And that's all I got, brother. That's all I got, too. What what would you uh, rate this film? Man, I would give this a solid seven and a half to eight. I was, I was pleasantly surprised with uh, how much I enjoyed it and how much the, the humor hit for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought I'd be more, sometimes a little more annoyed with Roger. But I, I really wasn't. It really, as I've gotten older, like I, I, I appreciate this film. Yeah, yeah. I might might be a little bit higher, like nine or ten. Like, there's a reason why this won so many Oscars. Um, it was entertaining as a kid watching it, and it's still entertaining. Yeah. And that's hard to say for a film that was done in 1988. 
that not too many films can say that. This this film is special. Again, uh, again, when I when I when I see again all the voice talent that is not with us anymore that's in this film, it was special then to see that, but even more so now that they've passed, it's like, man, that's this was just a you know, this landed at just the right time. Indeed. What are we jumping into next time? Next time, we are diving into our Halloween run of films. So prepare for the scares as we take a trip to the creep show. <laughs> and you can catch us where? Facebook.com forward slash filmmaker commentary. We're also on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Please like and subscribe. You can reach us on Twitter. He is at Reggie Titus. I'm at KCG Smith 32. And we are on the gram at Filmmaker Commentary. He is at Reginald Titus Jr. That's JR. And I'm at KCG Smith 32. Until next time, peace, respect. <laughs>